Let me say this about uh, the, the fall, and, and this is one of those things that we don't talk about very often, but uh, we want to thank you for the role that you've played in regards to the finances here at this church. Uh, on behalf of the staff, the, the board, the, the council, we want to take some time to say thank you. We, we know it's a sacrifice, and we know that there's millions of other places that you could put your resources, but for you to enable us to, to renovate parts of the building, to buy equipment that we need, to uh, just do the things that God's calling us to do, that is something that you need to, you need to be proud of, and, and we are incredibly thankful. So are you back into the routine that fall brings? I, I'm not sure why it's such a surprise to us. Fall comes around every year, but it seems to throw all of us into a loop. Like our schedules suddenly go from kind of that summer feel to the fall, which there's all kinds of things on our calendar. You know, as a church, and you're going to see this, we're going to do our best to provide ministry programming for you, but we need you to do your part by connecting with those ministries. Uh, here's a little story that I came across this week. Just follow along. A man called his neighbor uh, to help him move a couch that had become stuck in the doorway. They pushed, they pulled until they were exhausted, but the couch wouldn't move. Forget it, the man finally said. Well, ne- we'll never get this in. The neighbor looked at him with a question and simply said, in? Okay. Some of you will catch that at the potluck. You can laugh. We'll all enjoy you. But isn't that like sometimes when we're in the church? Maybe we feel like the pastor is pulling and we're pushing. Maybe we feel that way in the small group of friends, the connection that we have. Do you you remember what we talked about last week? I mean, I know we barely remember what we watched last night on TV, but the goal of this sermon series is simply for us to be on the same page, for us to understand what makes Renfrew and Daybreak unique. So let me do just a little bit of review for you and then we'll propel us into today. Here's the review. Bringing individuals into community with Jesus and one another. That's what we're about. Last week we talked about the community part and sometimes community we translate to potluck. But here's what we said about community. If you got to know me, here's a sidebar. I am not a potluck guy. Everybody's favorite dish is not my favorite dish, is what I like to say. And I have this, I know I haven't grown up, I don't like things touching. So so a divided plate is always best for me. At the buffet, I use like 18 plates because I don't want anything touching. Don't you just love me? Uh we define community as this. We, we hang out for a spiritual purpose. Like there's some spiritual purpose we're trying to accomplish. And then we defined it as community. My role in community meant three things. And they're going to come on the screen. 
My role in community here at Daybreak or if I'm at Renfrew means that I always desire to be in God's presence. Now, we know God's presence is, is everywhere. So it's not like we walk through the front doors and now we're in God's presence. We actually are image bearers of who Christ is to the world. We're icons. Uh, the, the second thing we said was my role in community means that I'm dedicated to one another. Even the guy with the divided plate. My role in community, the third thing we said was this, that we are devoted to God's mission. And God's mission is all about restoration, reconciliation. So let's get into what today is about, individual, okay? So we go to the dictionary and we see this definition on what individual is. And here's what the definition of individual is, is distinctive or individualistic or special or particular. In Genesis 1.27, we say this. The scripture says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Do you understand how special that statement is? We are so special to God that he created us in his own image. We were created by God in his own image. Friends, if you don't catch anything else this morning, I I want you to understand how much you mean to God. As we look at these topics today, what does it mean to bring an individual into community with Jesus and one another? We need to spend a minute just defining what a kingdom building church is. A kingdom building church is, is built up of three specific areas. Each one of these areas is so unique and important, but each one of these three areas need each other to function properly. See, a, a church can't just focus on, on one thing and ignore the other two. The, the three areas of, of, for a kingdom building church, and don't quickly jump to a program, jump to the concept. The concept is this, that it involves an individual. We all come as individuals. We've chosen daybreak to actually be the place that we're going to do something that is bigger than just ourselves. See, I can tell my neighbors about Jesus, but I can't tell a city about Jesus. And that's why, as a church, we come as individuals, but we're aiming to do something bigger than ourselves. The, the second area that a kingdom-building church is is small groups. Now, don't just define that as, oh, it's a small group, it's a program that's on Tuesday night. Some of you are a part of small groups. I believe down the road we'll start small groups here at daybreak again. Now, the interesting thing with small groups is we need more people than ourselves. That's what a small group is. And so your small group isn't necessarily just that Tuesday night group. It could be a group that you meet with on a regular basis that you go, this is what we're going to be about. And then the third area for a kingdom building church is a congregation, us. (laughs) Do you see the progression? We need individuals, we need small groups of people, and we need a congregation. God proclaimed to Adam something very specific. He said, it isn't good for man to be alone. 
And that theme continues today. It's not good for us to ever be alone. See, the lie that we've listened to is the Christian life is all about you as an individual. It's not. You accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and that's the only moment you're an individual. Instantly, you're thrust into the family of God. And for us to grab hold of what it means to be the family of God is something that we're going to spend a lot of time this fall talking about. So today, we're going to talk about that individual, and we're going to talk about three things. I'm going to give you a bunch of words for each of these three things, but we're going to learn how do we live like Christ, how do we love like Christ, and how do we lead like Christ. So here's what I want you to think about. Where are you as an individual in this community? And hopefully, as you wrestle through where are you as an individual, you'll actually be moved to go, this is what I need to actually bring into this community. This is my contribution to this community. So here's the very first one, okay? We need to learn to live like Christ. How do, how do I live like Christ? It's one of those things we talk about often. We might even have some words we throw in there. Let me give you some words that resonate in my heart. If I want to actually live like Christ, I want to learn to live like Christ, I actually need to learn how to surrender. Oof. You know, it's those verses in Scripture we see that talk about us laying down our agendas for somebody else's agenda. See, when we look at Christ, all we see is a life marked by surrender. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus prayed to his Father and he said this, Father, if you're willing, if you would like to, take this cup from me, yet not my will, not my agenda, but yours be done. See, if we were really honest, we would say that this is the first step of an individual moving from just being an individual in the church to actually being an individual who wants to exist in community. When I choose to surrender, I actually am making the choice that I want to be in community. When I chose to surrender to Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I made the choice that it wasn't about me. I made the choice that this is what I want to be a part of, a community. Now, friends, is it easy to surrender? Not at all. Is it a daily struggle? Yep. I wish there was some formula. Some of you will remember this song that we would sing regularly in church, All to Jesus I Surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence I will daily live. And the chorus went... I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Another verse proclaimed, All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. Here's the tough question for us with surrender this morning. When was the last time that you actually surrendered to God's plan? See, the 
the mark of learning to live like Christ can be noticed very quickly in the way that you and I choose to surrender. All right, so learning to live like Christ. The very first one was surrender. The next one is actually to remain in Christ. I love what what John 15, verse 4 through 7 says. Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch is going to bear fruit by itself. We need each other for community. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The church can do nothing. An individual can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up. They're thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and I remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. Here's the next tough question. How close are you to that lifeline that's found in Christ? Do you remain in Him? So to learn to live like Christ, we need to surrender. We then need to abide. And I really believe this third piece, we will simply reflect who Jesus is. In Proverbs 27, verse 19, it says this, As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Friends, if you looked at the life of Christ, what would you see? You'd see surrender. You'd see abide. And ultimately, you would see a Christ who perfectly reflects who the Father is. There were no questions asked of what Jesus came for. He quickly showed the world that he loved them like the Father loved them. Here's the third tough question for us as individuals this morning. If you were to hold up a mirror to your life or to my life, how close of a copy would it be of Christ? You see, your heart reflects who you really are. What does your life reflect? All right, I'm going to call my friend Nancy up here. Nancy's going to come up here. She's going to lead us in something that's really cool, the Apostles' Creed. And she's going to talk to us about a program that we do here at the church, and then I'm going to come up and finish off my message. Thanks, Pastor Matt. So, of course, you got to know that I'm going to be talking about Alpha, right? So... We all have a core belief, don't we? And I believe that core belief is set out in the Apostles' Creed. Most of us know the Apostles' Creed from early days in church. I learned it in Sunday school. So I'm wondering, it's going to be up here behind us. I'm wondering if you would be kind enough to stand with me and say the Apostles' Creed as a way of us proclaiming as the church, as the body of Christ, as a congregation, as the family of God, that this is what we believe in. To begin, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So as I said, the Apostles' Creed is what I believe the bare bones of our faith. When we get into the small groups that Pastor Matt was mentioning, those bare bones are covered in skin, they're covered in flesh. They come to life. An alpha, for this, this past summer, our alpha came to life for three of our members in that group. And I know, Noreen and I, as we've been talking about it, we had aha moments almost every week. We are never too far along the, our spiritual journey. We are never following Jesus that closely that there is not something more to learn. There is not a need to grow deeper in our faith, in our knowledge of Christ, in our love for him and the people of God. And that, I hate to say, is everybody. No, I don't hate to say it. It is everybody. You know... I'm going to share you a little bit of my testimony. I was born into a Christian family raised by a Christian mom and grandma. I was christened as an infant. I went to Sunday school every week. I was confirmed as a teenager. Walked away from the church for a while, and by divine intervention, I was brought back to the church. When I came to the church, I got involved in a small group. Everything I knew about my God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, changed as a result of that small group. I began to grow spiritually. Then I was baptized. A year later, I was slain in the Spirit, and I was given what I believe is my life mission, and that is to work with children who need inner healing. Now, that was 30 years ago. And over 30 years, I've been trying to figure out what exactly that means. And every time I think I have it, you know, God is full of surprises. He says, yeah, no, let's add this. This summer in Alpha, he did that to me. You know, I've been working as a hospital and hospice chaplain for 20 years. And that, to me, was working with children who need inner healing. And it's been a beautiful experience. And... My trust in God has grown something incredible. But this summer, Nikki Gumbel, the father, sort of, of Alpha, made this statement. We do not need to bear our shame and our guilt by ourselves. Jesus has taken it. Give it to him. My aha moment, big one, that is Jesus the healer. My God really is the great physician. Now I can do and fulfill the mission God has called me to in a more complete way. And it's interesting, once I made that connection with Jesus, 
I was then able to say, yeah, no, now it's time to retire. And as soon as I gave my notice, guess what happened? And this all happened in a matter of three weeks. God opened more doors for ministry, a deeper, more intense, more personal ministry. And he has shown me how much love he really has for me, for each one of us. And I am truly blessed to be able to share this with you because he is my God. He is our God. What he does for me, he so wants to do for you. And one of the things we need to do, and this is piggybacking on what you have said already, Pastor Matt, we need to follow Jesus more closely. We need to love him more intensely, we need to know him more deeply. So let's know him so we can love him, so we will follow him, each and every one of us. Thanks. That's awesome. I'm going to actually change my message. So that's always not good. Uh, <laughs> here, Here's the key with Alpha or with any curriculum uh there's no magic curriculum just like there's no magic pill to heal us in life god uses curriculum as a tool and god's used alpha in in huge ways uh and and why god used alpha is just because anytime you study who god is you start to realize how huge God is and how small you are, and that's actually a good thing. I think one of the the issues that we have in the church, not daybreak, but the church, the bigger church is when we've made God really small, we don't have an almighty God who put things into motion, who spoke things into being, who can heal today like he did 2,000 years ago. We have a God that really is like what I get at McDonald's. Five different burgers that can be produced really fast. And so what I would encourage some of you to do is, you might have been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years. It is never a bad choice to go back and understand the basics of your faith. We've chosen to put the Holy Spirit into a box like we do at Christmas, except the problem is we've left the box unopened where Jesus went, I'm not going to be with you any longer. Here's a gift, a gift that will actually help you function in this broken world. We've added on things, and we all do this. It's like, I I just washed my car this week. It probably needed a wash for a few weeks. But I was like, I can still see the bugs aren't that bad. (laughs) What made it change was suddenly a bird had pooped on my windshield. And I was like, well, I can't see anymore. And we've done that a lot of times with our faith. We've added stuff on that we've assumed. Like Some of us would go, well, if I don't go to the church regularly, God doesn't love me. Well, God didn't say that. If I don't give to the church, God doesn't love me. God didn't say that. If I don't share my faith, God, no, all of those things just get added on. And what Satan loves to do for us is 
See, all the things that God is, the, like when it says that God's omnipresent, he's everywhere, and God's omniscient, and God's omnipotent, and God's the alpha and the, the, the alpha and the omega, all of those things that are attached to God aren't attached to Satan. Satan has limited resources. So anytime that you feel like, man, I'm coming up against walls, it's because Satan actually believes that you're worthy enough to have something happen in your life to stop you. So disunity in a church, Satan's not creating the disunity. Satan just loves to start it and then walk away and then lets us navigate that. And so if you would have the ability this fall to check out Alpha, I would, I would really, really, really encourage you to. The, the thing that, uh, when I worked in Chicago years ago, the thing that our organization wrestled through was just looking at the story of God again, looking at Genesis through Revelation and seeing how God worked and all of that. And as we threw ourselves into studying that, I started to feel like, man, my seminary degree, my bachelor's degree, all of those things, you know, seven years of being in, in Christian education, I suddenly felt like everything I knew about God became that I didn't know enough about God. And there was a season in my life where it seemed like I knew less and less about God, even though I had served God for 30-some years. And that desire has to be a part of what we're talking about, bringing individuals into community with Jesus and one another. There's three words I'm going to leave you with today. These words aren't going to show up on the PowerPoint, so because poor Noreen's at the back going, what page is this on? <laughs> There's three words that I want to leave you with today. The Amago Day, we talked about that at the start. I-M-A-G-O, and then day is God, D-E-I. The Imago Day, the image of God. You and I were created in the image of God. If I was God, I would have easily taken all of us, once we accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, up to heaven and not left the mess back here on earth. The problem is none of us would have accepted Christ. Somebody told us about Jesus. And the person who told us about Jesus was broken, didn't have it all figured out, (laughs) didn't know all the right answers, but they loved us enough that they told us about this God who loves in a way we don't even understand. And friends, if you don't hear anything else today, my prayer would be that you walk out of here going, I'm created in the image of God. And that God's first breaths were breathed into man. God spoke everything else into being. He went, man, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be lakes, there was lakes. But God stopped enough to go, man, I want to do this for man because man's going to have this intimate relationship with me. And when Adam and Eve messed up in Genesis chapter 3, instantly God became a God of restoration. Because he longed for that relationship again. In between Malachi, the book of Malachi and Matthew, there's 400 years of silence where God didn't speak to to mankind. That would have killed God's heart. Because God's a communal God. God's a God that wants relationship. That's why he sent Jesus. That was the only solution. So the Imago Dei, here's the next word. 
the Missio Day. Why I'm passionate about Renfrew Baptist Church and Daybreak Community Church is I believe we're uniquely positioned to impact the communities that surround the church. I remember driving to Daybreak years and years and years ago when Pastor Scott was here, and there was nothing. Like our our mission field was like grab a telescope and start to look and see where Airdrie is. But Scott and all the pastors that you've had always had a mind that was futuristic going, there's going to be people that are going to count this as their community church. And the time is now. We have homes around us that are desperately looking for Jesus. And so the the Missio Day is all about the mission of God. The mission of God is simply, from Genesis through Revelation, the arc of the mission of God is restoration, reconciliation. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, and now God's given us to the, the responsibility to be agents of restoration to a world that desperately needs it. And restoration takes form in many different ways, but the easiest way is us grabbing hands of people and going, there's hope that you can find in a Savior. Mago Day, Missio Day, Mission of God. And the third one, you'll remember this from a movie that you probably watched 20-some years ago, Opus Day. The work of God. The really cool thing is we don't get to do anything with the Imago Day. We just get to receive it. <laughs> the really cool thing with the Missio Day is we get to be a part of it, but the mission of God is already happening. <laughs> Henry Blackaby said this, when you see God at work, you have a choice. Do I go be a part of it or do I sit on the sidelines? I would hope we'd be a part of it. Imago Day. Missio Day, Opus Day, the work of God, each one of us gets to contribute to the work of God. That's why in 1 Corinthians 12, we understand this body, and some of us would love to be fingers, and we're just feet. That's okay. We need each other. We need each other to contribute to what God's already doing. And so if you hear anything this morning, hear those three words. You're created in the image of God to do the mission of God. And your gift to all of us in community is to be involved in the work of God. Let me pray. God, thank you for today. Hopefully what I was supposed to say, I said. God, if you could take anything that wasn't of you from my friends' minds, that would be great. And if you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, may it be the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.